everybody. Welcome once again as we continue on in our study uh, through the New Testament. And uh, we are in the book of Ephesians now. We're up to chapter 4. And we got here by looking through the Gospels together, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the book of Acts, and then springing out of the book of Acts, we've been running, uh, working through the letters that Paul wrote to the early churches um, that um, were started, primarily were started on his missionary journeys that we wrote about. Um, in that context then, we, we, we read about what was happening uh, in the new church, and uh, Paul was really the, the go-to guy in the new church as far as addressing issues and problems, which there were uh, many of, as there are now, as uh, people were trying to figure this out and walk this thing out, and uh, the, um, the Holy Spirit is using um, and guiding Paul and giving these answers and uh, in writing most of the New Testament. If you've figured that out by now, you'll have figured out that the Apostle Paul um, is responsible for, um, under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, authoring most of what we know as the New Testament. And so um, that's why it's taken us as long as it has to work through Paul's letters. After we're done with Paul's letters, um, we'll, there's not a whole lot left. So we'll, uh, we'll be plugging through pretty quickly, but three years plus in. Um, I think I looked at the notes. This is 180 Bible studies on the New Testament. 181 maybe. So... Uh, that's a lot of Bible studies on the New Testament. And, uh, and I think there's another uh, 70 or 80. So we're making good time. Um, the book of Ephesians, the first three chapters, you know, Paul sort of sets up for us theologically uh, on the, the, we're the body of Christ and, and uh, how important it is for us to work together. And in these last three chapters, uh, four, five, and six, we're gonna, he's going to be more practical in the issues. And so today, as we dig in, he's going to start talking about, um, the, again, you know, that we, we make one body of Christ. And, and yet, um, when, we, when we look at the church, we can sort of see that uh, there's a lot of differences throughout Paul's writing back to the churches. He was dealing with, um, you know, disagreements that people had or different ways of looking and interpreting the scripture and uh, what, you know, what they thought God expected. And Paul has advised us all along to, um, to, throughout that entire process, love each other well and ask the Spirit of God to really illuminate to us what the truth is as we, as we look for truth on a matter, as we grow together. But uh, there's still a lot of differences in the church today. Um, you know, uh, Presbyterians have a way of, they have their distinctive. Baptists have their distinctive. Calvinists disagree with Armenians. And, uh, and you know, some people in the church want a real formal worship. Um, some in the church want a small room where they sit together quietly and sit in silence for their services uh, and listen, you know, for, for God to speak with them and, and with them. And yet... Uh, in Ephesians, Paul is telling us that the church is one. And uh, sometimes we wonder, well, you know, if we're one, why is it that we, we, we seem to be oftentimes marked by division instead of unity? And, and that's something that we always need to be working on. How do we continually grow together to be the church uh, and, uh, and still understand that, that it's okay to be different 
um, if, if the main thing is still the main thing. If, if Jesus is still the focus, if we, if we get the main stuff, then, then um, differences are okay. You know, when Paul talks about unity, he doesn't talk about sameness. So that's, the, that's where I think the struggle is. Um, sometimes people have, have, have issues with um, difference. And, and really, it's okay. Because uh, it's not a commandment to be exactly the same. It's, a, it's, it's the, an encouragement to follow Jesus and in the way that he leads you. And, and so, um, even back then, there was, they had some different ideas, but, but the idea was to be plugging along together. Can we be, you know, one church that meets in lots of different buildings? Well, we are, so I hope it would seem like we can be. Um, uh, you know, the, the, the church of, uh, that's following after Jesus um, meets in different buildings. And, and yet it's still the church. That's why we always talk about how important it is to love the church. That's why you hear us pray for the churches. You know, it's um, just because they do it a little differently. If they love Jesus, we're for them. I mean, big time for them. Because, you know, that's, that's what we're here. They're, they're family. Uh, and, and so, you know, this is the idea that, that Paul is sort of going for in the process. And he's having to deal with, now think about this, um, at the heart of what he's dealing with, and we talked about this back in Ephesians 2, um, he's dealing with um, Jewish believers and Gentile believers trying to work this thing out. Uh, and, and now what you have in that moment is you have these huge cultural and social differences. And their lifestyles and worldviews are really so different that they're incompatible at that point in time, which often leads to a hostility. And so, you know, when the gospel message was first shared uh, in Judea, it was only the Hebrews who responded. And then uh, as the, the, the word of the good news uh, spread, then the Gentiles started to believe too. And now you have... Now you have um, these two very divide, diverse groups who are coming together to form the church and that's really what Paul's trying to uh, work out and, and, and yet you know the, they have trouble with, with the process and there was a, a faction in the early church that we've been reading about that insisted that in order to really come to Christ that the Gentiles were going to have to just completely give up their heritage and become Jewish and uh, that, that's what spurred the council that we read about in Acts. Um, and uh, um, what that council of churches decided uh, basically was that it was a relationship with Jesus, not the cultural thing that makes someone a Christian. And so um, in that process, the, the right of a Gentile and, and, and Jewish uh, to be their own uh, and experience their own cultural heritage was affirmed. But... Uh, uh, but this is where, you know, again, we saw the problems because some people couldn't get past the concept that he only had sameness. But Paul affirms uh, over and over again the right to be different, that God made um, one new man from the two and, and he, 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 didn't, he didn't bring this harmony by removing differences. What he did was destroy the barriers that were causing the problems in the first place. And that now what matters is life in Christ. That's the only issue. Is, is a, a life in Christ. So, so if, if, see, that's what gives us unity. We might come at it way differently, 
but, but it's our life in Christ. And, and uh, that, that's, that's what matters. If people love Jesus and are following him and he, they know him as the, the way, the truth, and the life, and they get that, you know, um, he, was, he came uh, for us, that, that uh, he was bornlessly, that he lived a perfect, sinless life, that he went to the cross and, and intercedes for us and he's coming back for us soon. If they get that about Jesus, we have, we have a basis for fellowship. How they do that can, can be radically different. And some of you come from radically different church backgrounds. And it's okay. And, and uh, you know, and, and we're, the way we do it is different than, than a lot of people do it. I always, I get a kick out of some people that visit us for the first time and, and really literally ask. That's why I say it all the time. Is this a church? Because um, it's, they sort of sounds like one, but it's so different than what they, and they're kind of looking around, you know, and everybody's eating all the time. And they're like, that's why, you know, one of the things we have is, it's, it's not a restaurant, we promise, it is a church. And, you know, if, if they stick out for long enough, a lot of people find that they, they okay, it's, they, they get it. But, uh, but it's, it's not, I know for, it's not for everybody, that's why we pray for the other churches. Uh, and so, so that's a cool thing. But, see, it's, it's, if we've been made alive in Christ, then we're one body, one family, one temple being constructed by the Lord. So in the very early church, the Jewish believers still continued to leave, uh, live in a very, um, uh, you know, in, a, in the Hebrew way. And the Gentiles continued um, to, to live in their culture way, although stepping away and abstaining from, from the sins. Um, both groups were called to do that. But they retained their cultural distinctives. And, and yet, um, Paul was affirming their identity as the church as one. And we you know we read about the new Gentile churches taking up offerings for the, for the, for the Jewish churches when they were in trouble. And, and we see them um, working together and, and, and doing what they could together and because they were, they were one body and it was a brand new thing. I found this quote from one of the early church fathers, Arrhenius, and that's uh, I-R-E-N-A-E-U-S. And uh, he wrote at about 190 AD. So um, he would have been writing... Uh, 130 years after Paul wrote. So, you know, three, three generations out. Um, and, 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 and so the, the church is it's fairly well established in 190 AD. Um, but, you know, still, still a fairly new thing, depending on how you look at new things. Um, 130 years old. So, uh, I don't know, does that seem new or old to you? America's only a couple hundred years old, right? So, hold the balance. Um, I often think about that. I don't know. Do you think, I mean, history. Uh, the other day I watched that, a few weeks ago I watched that movie, Lincoln. And, and, and uh, fascinating movie. But it, the Civil War really, in the, in the light of things, wasn't that long ago. You, you know, uh, it was happening, it was a hundred years before I was born. So when I was born, there were still people around. You, you know what I mean? And I think, well, that's, that's, Anyway, I don't know why I went off there. Okay, so, it's just a random thought that I shared with you. So anyway, here's what he wrote. Um, and and what, he's, what, what I got out of this is that the substance, the basic message that the apostles gave the church um, and, and founded the church with still exists 130 years later. And, uh, um, and so... Um, uh, and he, he talks in it about this unity that's available. He said this, Now the church... 
although scattered over the whole civilized world to the ends of the earth, received from the apostles and their disciples its faith in one God, the Father Almighty, who made the heaven and the earth and the seas and all that is in them, and in one Christ Jesus, the Son of God, who was made flesh for our salvation, and in the Holy Spirit, who through the prophets proclaimed the dispensations of God, the comings, the birth of a virgin, the suffering, the resurrection from the dead, and the bodily reception into the heavens of the beloved Christ Jesus our Lord, and is coming from the heavens in the glory of the Father to restore all things and to raise up all flesh, that is the whole human race, so that every knee may bow of things in heaven and on earth and under the earth to Christ Jesus our Lord and God and Savior and King, according to the pleasure of the invisible Father, and every tongue may confess him, and that he may execute righteous judgment on all. The spiritual powers of wickedness and the angels who transgressed and fell into apostasy and the godless and wicked and lawless and blasphemers among men he will send into the eternal fire. But to the righteous and holy, to those who have kept his commandments and have remained in his love, some from the beginning of life and some since their repentance, he will by his grace give life incorrupt and will clothe them with eternal glory. Having received this preaching and this faith, as I have said, the church, although scattered in the whole world, carefully preserves it as if living in one house. She believes these things everywhere alike as if she had but one heart and one soul and preaches them harmoniously, teaches them and hands them down as if she had but one mouth. For the languages of the world are different, but the meaning of the tradition is one and the same. I like that from the early church. Do you get that it's this message that we have, this good news that we preach has made its way down to us generation by generation by generation by generation through all sorts of struggles and hardships and, and good seasons and tough seasons and persecutions and, and we still, 2,000 years later, the church, the church, the, his church, not some of the weird stuff, but his church, still has the same message. That's cool. Um, that's good stuff. So, um, that's, uh, I like that, that what's happening there, I think, fits with me with what Paul's saying. One, one message, one God, one heart, one soul, one mouth by which we speak. And so in Ephesians chapter four, Paul is basically calling us to live a life worthy of the calling that we have to continue in this. It's a humble, patient, loving life uh, and that in that process, in those qualities, we can maintain uh, the unity of the body which is one in Christ. So let's look at Ephesians four, um, 32 verses, beginning in verse one. I'm gonna read out of the NIV. Um, Bibles are in the rows if you'd like to open a Bible and turn along or we passed out the passage on sheets for you um, so you can get it one way or another here we go verse one as a prisoner for the Lord then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received be completely humble and gentle be patient bearing with one another in love make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace there is one body and one spirit just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. That is why it says, when he ascended on high, he led captives in his train and gave gifts to men. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? 
He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers, to prepare God's people for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we'll no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They're darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they've given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. You, however, did not come to know Christ that way. Surely you've heard of him and were taught in him accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor, for we're all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. He who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with his own hands, then may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander along with every form of malice be kind compassionate to one another forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you and blessed be the word of the Lord so let's uh, break that down and talk about it here quickly for a few minutes I must have preambled for a long time <laughs> um, the first six verses Paul basically tells us that unity in the church doesn't just happen, we have to work at it. And um, rather than allowing differences to lead to division, um, we, we should, instead of concentrating on what divides us, we should focus on what unites us. One body, one spirit, one future, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, one mouth by which we speak, one. Um, see, it's a, a lot of times it's a matter of focus. And, and, uh, uh, it's a distraction to get focused on what you disagree with. Because, I mean, we could go around the room. We're not gonna because it just wouldn't make sense. But uh, we could find things we don't agree about in, in how we're doing this thing. But, but who we do agree about is enough to keep us united and to allow the Spirit of God to just kind of deal with those other issues over time. And, and having a sense of humility about us that says, you know, I, don't, I may not have this all figured out yet. And, and, uh, and, and, you know, that's all good. But, but 
See, see, that's why, you know, Paul always says, but if you love well, then the rest of that stuff will find its way through. That's the, that's the really, see, that's the, <laughs> that's the deal. If we figure that out, the rest of it will happen. If you figure out how to love God and, and love others, um, you're, you're so far along on the journey because the, the rest of the stuff will work its way through. It just starts to make sense. So anyway, focus on what unites us, not on what divides us. Then uh, verses 7 through 11, he, he begins to describe what a life of love is and how it should characterize the church. And, and that a healthy church, a loving church should, uh, among other things, it should do this. It should see its leaders as equippers. It should see each member as a minister. Um, it should be paying attention to maturing and building believers up in Christ. And, and it should seek to help individuals and group within the church as Christ leads. So part of what we do uh, is we help build each other up, that we're here to help and encourage one another. We have a mission out in the world, but, but unless we're doing these things, then we can't do our mission. And so, so we need to be coming together, uh, studying together, praying for one another, encouraging one another, fellowshipping together. Um, you know, th- that's what we do. And, and in the process, being equipped and trained to go and do what we need to do. It's in this sort of nurturing environment that uh, the church can have its greatest impact on the world around us. So we can't neglect this part and, and just do the other part. All of these things have to tie together in the church. And relationships within the church should always be marked by love. By, by, by love, not by anything else. And unfortunately, that doesn't always happen in churches. Um, we're very fortunate. We have a very loving church. I, I feel like we do. Uh, the, we're, 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 it's good. It's a good spot. Um, then he goes on in verses 12 through 16. The church should uh, always be growing up and maturing in Christ in order that we can be a valid expression of Jesus to the world around us. And so the whole body grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Um, and that's why it's important that everybody is seen as having a part and, and an important part as, as ministers. Um, when, when parts of the body aren't doing what they're supposed to do, it puts a big strain on other parts of the body. Um, if, for example, I, I, my, my right knee, um, I, I messed up a little bit running on Thursday. And, and so I haven't been able to use it the way I would like to. And so now what's happening is that my left knee is starting to hurt. Um, because... <laughs> Some of you can relate to that because I'm standing on it more, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm trying not to be on this one. And, and then that will spring into all sorts of other problems, you know, your, your hips and your back and all sorts of things will start to hurt because one part isn't doing what you need it to do. And so uh, it's a, he talks about ligaments uh, in, the, in that verse. That's why it's so important that we're plugged in and doing what God has called it. Body depends on that. And so this is um, what has to happen. And so um, we grow together. And then, you know, it's really only a strong and, and healthy group that can, that can go after out and do the task that uh, God gives us to do. Uh, and so um, our effectiveness in mission um, depends on us growing together in maturity, building each other up in love, each part doing its own work in the process. Then uh, in the end of, of the letter, verses 17 through 32, 
he, um, he talks about how to do some of this stuff very practically. And he says, look, you need to put off the former way of life, the old way of life, the very selfish way of life, and we're to live a, a new life with a new attitude, a new self that's, um, that's like God in true righteousness and holiness. And, and how is that expressed in relationships in the church? And he gives us some, some ideas quickly. He says um, it's, it's expressed by putting off falsehood and speaking truthfully. And that's more than just not lying. Uh, it's an open sharing of ourselves um, with one another and, and rejecting deceitful practices and using words to build up and encourage. Uh, it's, it's all those things and that should be happening in the church. Um, we're to reject the, the sinful action that anger drives us toward. Um, we, we talked about that. Sometimes things still, still can get us really angry and, and anger... Um, you know, there's a, there's, Jesus got angry, but as the Bible tells us to get angry and sin not, um, he got upset with people that were misusing the house of God, and, um, and he, he's, he had a righteous anger um, towards them. Um, but we need to be careful that our anger um, isn't because we're not getting our way, and that's usually what it's coming from. Uh, and so there's a difference. You know, there's a, there's a difference between sort of a righteous, okay anger and a very selfish, not so okay anger. And so, uh, you know, Paul says, look, don't give it a place. And if you feel yourself getting angry, because what will happen is you'll run and cause division instead of loving well. So we, we need to uh, always be working towards reconciliation in our lives. Um, he tells us to reject gossip and unwholesome talk. We talk about that a lot. Um, we always need to be thinking about how we can build others up and not tear them down, which is the opposite of gossip. And, and you know, I've told you lots of times, don't get pulled in by the seductiveness of gossip. Um, it's just don't let it, let it stop with you. Let it, let it just stop there. And, you know, because gossip's a huge, terrible problem. And then we need to rid ourselves of bitterness, rage, slander, and every form of malice. Stop it. I wish that worked. Uh, <laughs> just stop that right now, all of you. Stop it. Um, you know, we need to be aware of it. And, and if there's bitterness, we need to deal with it at its root. Uh, you know, if, there, if, we, if we get really angry all the time, what's going on? We need to deal with that. If we speak badly of others, we need to, we need to start working on that. All, all the malicious stuff needs to stop. And in their place, we need to become people that are kind and compassionate and forgiving. That's, that's the deal. That's what the church needs to be. That's the bottom line Paul says there at the end. Kindness, compassion, and forgiving as you've been forgiven. So all those are a demonstration of love, which is what we started talking about in the beginning. That's what the church is supposed to be doing. It's that kind of church people like to come to. You know, my, my, that's always my hope. Do people like coming to church? I hope so. I like coming to church. Um, but if it's not like that, people don't want to go. And then, then it just spirals out because then they're mad that they're there <laughs> and they're guilted for whatever reason and then they're all angry and it just gets worse and worse and worse. But if church, church should be a place where you come in and you're loved and you know you're a mess and you're real with that and there's other people there that are a mess and they love you too and you, you love each other and encourage each other to Jesus and let the Holy Spirit change us and work in us. That's what's supposed to be taking place. That's how we impact the world and that's enough about Ephesians 4 for today. If you're watching my video on television, thank you so much for spending your time with us. We know how valuable your time is and we appreciate you 
uh, hanging out with us. If you need prayer, go to the website, keysvineyard.com, find the prayer or contact page, and uh, shoot us an email, and we'll be praying for you, all right? We'll see you soon. God bless you.